Hello, everyone, and welcome to Rich Sports Talk, your home for New York Jets content. We have so much to get into today. We were live last night after the Jets game. We'll be reacting after every Jets home game right after the final whistle. So if you want our instant reaction, our reaction from yesterday, go check that video out on the channel. Just a reminder, we will be live tweeting during the games using the handle at Rich Sports Talk on Twitter. And, of course, we will be live, like I said, after every Jets game, giving instant analysis, getting your comments. And, boy, last night, not a good night. It was a frustrating night. A lot of you guys, I could see the venting. I could see the anger, and I could completely get it. And I wanted to go do this episode a little bit differently and do this a little bit differently. We'll get to the Jets if you want to talk about the game yesterday, about players, but I want to give you guys something a little bit different because I feel like every media outlet, everyone covering the Jets is going to focus on the team, the coaching staff, which, again, I focused on a lot last night is a major reason for the concern. And I get all that and I get the frustration. But I wanted to do something a little bit differently today. And that's focus on even a little bit bigger of the picture. And. I believe that now, and I've been putting this poll online, and I've been asking you guys, is the honeymoon over for Robert Sala, Joe Douglas, and this, you know, this staff that's been put together? And I'm starting to think that it is. And one of the biggest reasons that I keep putting this out there was because we have to remember that the Jets are in a unique ownership situation where you have the primary owner, Woody Johnson, was away for four years and basically left his brother in charge. And even though he was there for the overseeing of Robert Sala being hiring, it wasn't like Woody was the one making the final decision. And I think this is very important because I did a hypothetical last night. I want to get into it again because – if this isn't happening today, I really believe it's happening within the next 24 hours at Florham Park, which is I believe that both Joe Douglas and Robert Sala are going to have a meeting with the Johnsons, whether it's just Woody, whether it's both Johnsons. I have a feeling that both are going to be called in front of the ownership and basically be let known that this is no longer acceptable because the optics of yesterday and today are really bad. And we do know the Johnsons and Woody really does care about the optics. And for Johnson, I understand that Johnson, in the eyes of the Jet fan base, is not well-liked usually, isn't well-respected. But the one thing I will say about Woody Johnson is you can tell he wants to win, which is more than a lot of owners. Like You can tell he wants this team to win, and he despises that this team is a punching bag, that this team is being dragged through the media again. And I think that yesterday, not only on the field, but around the entire NFL was as bad as it possibly could be for this organization and the optics. And I guarantee you, Woody will be sitting there and going to both of these guys and saying, you guys have to explain yourselves because I'm looking around this league right now and what we're talking about, how we're addressing the press conferences, how we're performing on the field is a major concern. And let me start by this. Because I guarantee you, like every owner, especially in the New York market, says, uh, we don't pay attention to the media. We, we don't listen to talk radio. We don't listen to the we don't listen to the morning shows. But they do. They have people that do. 
And all you've heard is two very important things on New York radio and TV today when it deals with sports. You hear two very different stories. And I guarantee you, it's driving Woody mad. The first one is, man, look at the Giants. Look at that gutsy performance coming back, winning on the road against the number one seed in the AFC last year. Look at Brian Dable ripping into Daniel Jones, not accepting mediocrity, going for two and going for the win. Basically, the Giants, it feels like their culture has done a 180. Like everyone's talking about the Giants today. Oh my God, the Giants' culture's changed. They're playing better. Dable's got them going. Like this is a coach they believe in. You have a coach talking about, we are going for it. We're going to win. Like this is what Robert Sala was supposed to be. All gas, no breaks, right? But yesterday in the press conference, there was a lot of pumping breaks. And all you heard about on New York media today about the Jets. What's going on with the Jets? That was a disaster. The Jets are terrible. Same old Jets. They can't get out of their own way. Yesterday was supposed to be the opposite. Yesterday was supposed to be the day where the Jets looked like the Giants, where they went toe-to-toe with the Ravens. They competed. You're like, you know, the Jets, they look like they've changed the the culture. They've turned the corner. And meanwhile, the Giants, yeah, that's... There's going to be some moral victories. It's a new staff. They don't really believe in their quarterback probably long-term. Like, look, they're they're trying to get the moral victories. They're trying to rebuild their culture. Like, they have a long way to go. Instead, you feel like the Giants today are in year two or year three of a plan, and the Jets are just starting out when they're in year two of the Salah plan and year four of the Joe Douglas plan. You look around the league. And yes, I understand that Joe Flacco is a backup quarterback. I get people saying, oh, the Jets, you can't win this league with a backup quarterback. And I tend to agree with you. But you look around this league yesterday. Who were the teams that couldn't score points? Oh, it was Dallas against one of the best defenses in football and Dak breaking his hand in an offensive line that's a complete mess. And oh, the other team was the Patriots, right? Who have a defensive coordinator calling the offensive plays. And they look absolutely terrible. But you look at the Jets. Jets, you're thinking, oh, my God, like this team, they're going to take a step offensively. We're going to see creativity. You didn't see any of that. And Woody's sitting there. And I guarantee you, they are looking at this and going, let's look at our roster for a minute. We've been dying to find a consistent kicker for years. We get one in any Pinheiro last year who, yes, doesn't have a huge leg, but with inside 45 yards, you know he's going to make his kicks and you know he's going to make his extra points. Ah, no, we're going to we're going to not, we're going to cut him and bring in Greg Zerloin, who high-end is a better kicker, but has had the problems with these yips, and you saw it yesterday. Then you talk about the punting game. I'm done with Braden Mann. Braden Mann needs to be cut because the Jets... The problem is the optics look horrendous. And I said this at the end during the roster cutting. When Ashton Davis made this team and Jason Pinnock didn't make this team, and when Brandon Mann is still on this team, even though the Jets had a great punter who's now punting for their division rival. It seems like the Jets are more concerned about saving face on their draft picks 
and trying to make it work than just acknowledging the player isn't working out. We're just trying to get the best 53 on this roster. Because Braden, man, the excuses are over. The first year, okay, he's a rookie. Second year, okay, he got hurt. Now he's in his third season. And he's arguably the worst punter on any team in the NFL right now. And when you are on a team that is limited talent and lies like the Jets, when you're a team that's not as good as other teams, you can't afford to make mistakes. And if anything, your special teams have to be better than average in order to shift the field position, to give your defense better statistics, give your team better odds. When was the last time a Jets punter pinned someone inside the five? Just riddle me that. So the Jets don't have great special teams. They make a bunch of mistakes. And you're also wondering, too, like Woody probably is going, hey, Joe, can you explain something to me? We took Zach over Justin, right? And I still think Zach can has the upside of the world. But Justin Fields in a monsoon yesterday beat a team that was in the NFC Championship game with far less talent than the Jets. You look around this league yesterday. Teams that are supposed to be tanking or in the class of the Jets, basically. Like, what are those teams? I'd say you could probably consider the teams that are in the bottom of their divisions, right? So teams like the Falcons, teams like the Texans, teams like the, I just had the name, uh, the Bears. I mean, those are teams that are probably more concerned about the draft next year than this year, right? But they go out there and compete against teams that were clearly better. Texans got a tie, but they competed. They showed offense. They showed like they fought, like they cared. Joe Flacco made a comment yesterday that was damning, in my opinion. When he said in the postgame, Basically, and I'm paraphrasing, that he didn't feel the energy was up for this game. That they weren't hyped for this game. Excuse me? You're telling me that that team isn't excited for the home opener on the anniversary of 9-11 in New York City. That team isn't ready to go. That team isn't excited. Oh, Joe, by the way, it's a younger team. You're the you're the veteran. You're the one that's supposed to, I don't know, instill leadership, instill that you can pump the team up. Instead, it's like, eh, you know, didn't really think the energy was great out there. Excuse me? That, to me, is pretty concerning. So... I just look around this league right now, and Woody, you know, hates that the Jets have become a punchline and a punching bag. And you hate that the reputation that this franchise has become. And we keep and for seven months, this fan base and Woody to an extent has been sold that this is going to be completely different. This is a new team. This is a better team. This is a more talented team. This is a team that's ready to take the next step. But yesterday was the same story we've not only seen last year, but in the years past. Let me, Jet fans, and put this in the comment, like, let me put this out there and see if this sounds familiar. The New York Jets come out for a home game. Their defense is flying around the field, making plays, 
and looking really good in the first half. But the offense can't move the football at all. Then we get to the second half, and the Jets have an opportunity. But they continue to shoot themselves in the foot. The defense finally breaks because they're on the field for so long. And midway through the third quarter, it's a multi-touchdown game, and the game is over. And you have fans booing this team, and what's even worse, leaving the game before the fourth quarter. Bears fans in a monsoon did not leave that game yesterday because of their team. You look at the Texans. No one left their seats in that game. Every game in the NFL was close in the fourth quarter, was within a possession or a short two possessions going in to the fourth quarter, all except the New York Jets. And we've been sold this team is better. They're more talented, and I do think they are more talented this year. But when you have your coaching staff and the players to an extent saying, well, we hung with them. We played well with them. We were in the game. Fans don't want to hear the moral victories anymore. And I don't think this ownership group does either. Because they know that this will be the 12th year they haven't been in the playoffs. And they look further away today than they did before kickoff yesterday in terms of the playoffs. And I feel bad for Zach because I just get this sinking suspicion. The Jets at the bare minimum need to be one have one win. And I think it's got to come against Cleveland. I think that they have to win this Cleveland game because if Zach comes back at 0-3 against Pittsburgh, and even though Pittsburgh has a couple injuries, they still have a great defense. If the Jets are 0-4 to start this season, if they are 0-4 before the second week of October, you're going to see the same thing like we've seen the last few seasons. An empty stadium, road fans outnumbering Jet fans in the stadium, fans just not being interested. Because I hate to tell you this, uh, for the Johnson family, there's another interesting thing you have to consider too. Um, The Mets and Yankees are both going to be in the playoffs in September and October. So... Fans will have other stuff to watch. They, they, the Jets will still be there, but there's other options now in New York. There's other good teams in New York to watch right now. So if you're terrible in October, it's going to be very hard to get those eyeballs back. KP, if this is true and Woody wants to move on from South Hill, 100% want to make a move for a big coach. I think he's throwing money at Harbaugh, Champagne out of retirement. He needs someone good. Look, Payton's not going to come to – I don't see Payton coming to the Jets. I really don't see Payton coming. Payton's got to get an offer, and I do think Payton wants the Cowboy job, if anything. But there's another interesting aspect with Payton compared to other coaches. I don't think it's just about the money and the contract. Miami was offering a piece of the franchise. So we would have an ownership part of the franchise. Now, the question is, will a team be willing to do that for a head coach? And I'm not sure owners will feel good about that. And I really do like Sean Payton a lot. But I just get the feeling like he's going to look for the perfect situation and end well, I think Harbaugh to the Jets would I think Harbaugh to the Jets would be a better fit. 
Uh, I just don't see Peyton. And I still think it's, I still think it's too early for this head coaching staff. But the other thing too is owners look around the league and see what works. And the Jets see the, the Jets are not stupid. The ownership's not stupid. They're looking around this league and seeing teams turn around in a year or two. I mean, we're in year four of the Joe Douglas plan. We're year two of Salah. If they're not turning it around, look at the Giants or another example in their own building. I've been a proponent of saying, I don't like that the Giants kept firing head coaches for every two seasons and coaches that wouldn't make it an attractive job. But if you find the right coach, like it looks like they have with Brian Dable, does it really matter? And you look around the NFL right now, it's unfortunate for job security, but we see it work where Arizona, and I know there's questions around Arizona, but they bring in Kingsbury. They trade, they get a new quarterback. They're competing in the NFC West, the best division arguably in football, not the second, probably now after the AFC West that I think about it. But they are competing every single year. And they were they made the move. They were aggressive. You look right now, it's either about getting a great coach, but more importantly, getting the right quarterback. I mean, Joe Burrow, the Bengals, I don't think have a good head coach. I don't think the Bengals have good ownership, but bang, but Joe Burrow covers all of them up because he's such a special quarterback. And now the pressure's on, especially in the AFC, to get a special quarterback because there's a lot of great quarterbacks. Like, you don't need a good quarterback to compete in the AFC now. You need a great quarterback. Momo Adam, Adamo, we continue to have no player that opponents must game plan against. I saw no exciting players aside from Gary Wilson. I think Elijah Moore is exciting. I think the running backs are, but the Jets also have to figure out a way to implement them into this offense. I'm not ready to hear we fought after every loss, the T, especially when one team did the fighting and it wasn't the Jets. And that, that's why that's why I think the Jet fan is most upset today. It's not just the the loss, it's the way they lost. And I think a lot of it is also how this team also was kind of treating it like, oh, it's not a big deal. We got this covered. I'm sorry, but you don't have a reputation yet. If this was a playoff team last year and they had this kind of attitude, I wouldn't love it, but at least I could say, you know what? They have a track record. They've been to the postseason. They have experience. They've been through this before. The Jets don't know how to win games. The Jets do so many things to lose games. Like, they don't know how to win games. And I know that sounds so easy to explain, but it's the little things in a ball game that really are huge. The fumbling, the turnovers, the miscommunication, the dumb penalties, not getting executing on simple field goals and special teams. That, that is it. That is why it is frustrating. That is why you're just saying this team, you're like, they could have, if they were buttoned up, made this a game. And it also doesn't help, too, when you see Robert Sala. And again, I like Robert Sala a lot. But one of the reasons that he was hired was to be a fiery personality on the sideline. Do I think he's tempered that as a head coach? Yes. But you saw it yesterday in the Giant game. 
And that, to me, was the moment where Brian Dable, that was the standout moment for me. It wasn't going for two. It wasn't the press conference where he said he was going for that win anyways. It wasn't him celebrating in the locker room afterward. Those were all great moments. The moment that told me exactly who Brian Dable was and what he meant to the giant organization was after Daniel Jones threw arguably a one of the worst picks you will ever see trying to hit a running back on an out route with Saquon going toward the end zone, completely underthrew it and gave one of the easiest interceptions is Brian Dable didn't coddle him, didn't pretend like, oh, you'll get him next time. He went up to him and said, basically, get your S together because guess what? If you continue to do that, you're not going to be our starting quarterback anymore. Robert Sala didn't do that to Joe Flacco. And I understand Flacco's a veteran and has a lot more pelts on the wall than Daniel Jones probably ever will. But it's not a good look when Flacco is terrible. And I understand this offensive line wasn't good yesterday, but I also attribute it to lots of the mobility that they don't have the mobility. He has no mobility. But I also look at the situation and go, well, wait a minute. Like, this doesn't make any sense to me. Like, he's not running this offense officially. He's missing wide-open receivers. But still... The Jets are just sitting there like, oh, you know, it's it's fine. And then after game, oh, you know, it's it's all right. We we kind of didn't we didn't perform well. You know, guys weren't really up for that. They weren't up for this game, the home opener. They weren't up. That is concerning because you want to see fire in these players. You want to see them carry. You want to see like them flying around. The rookies and the young players looked really good yesterday, but it kind of just seemed like for a lot of these players, it was like, eh. You know, didn't go our way. You know, it kind of just seemed like, eh, you know, we'll get we'll we'll get him next time. You know, it's it's whatever. Uh, Daniel Torn to Jones. I saw a positive reaction. Sal got stopped. The love story and hold players accountable for Momo. Katie, we are a QB away, not a GM, not a head coach. We are an NFL quarterback away. And look, we still got to see what Zach can do. But there's going to be a lot of pressure and a lot of eyeballs. And I think this fan base is going to give him a very short runway. Like the Jet fan base, and I do believe this organization is going to have a decision by the end of Thanksgiving on Zach Wilson's long-term future with this organization. Uh, And Mo brings up a great point, the identity. What is the identity of this team? Like even with the Giants in one game, you know what their identity was. Running the football, taking shots down the field, and playing good defense. The Jets' defense has an identity. They're going to rush the passer. They're going to get after you. They're going to play fast and physical. What's the Jets' offensive identity? Because they were running for almost five yards of carry, but they weren't running the football, and they only ran the ball 16 times. Apparently, they're an air raid system because they're going to let Joe Flacco throw the ball 59 times in a game, despite the fact that he can't move. And like the Jets just don't have an identity. Uh. I don't disagree, but what are you making ch- changes scares the heck out of me. Like, th- and I get that distinction. That I think that's one of the big things Jet fans are like. Well, I don't want Woody to make the decisions. I don't think Woody. I think Woody would has hopefully learned, and if he does go with a new GM or a new head of football operations, he would let them handle it and hire the coach. But like, I just look around this league. Like, I think the Jets are a more talented team than the Detroit Lions. But the Detroit Lions against a team that was clearly better than them, with weapons that were clearly better, 
they were in there and they fought hard. And you can tell that those guys are bought in. And look, the Lions, they might not be a good team, but you know their identity and you know they're going to go 100 miles an hour and be competitive every single week. The Houston Texans, who have arguably been the biggest disaster of how they've handled their franchise over the last two years, they were competitive against a much better team than the Indianapolis Colts. Heck, even the Jaguars. The Jaguars went on the road to Washington and were fighting and were in that game with the Washington Commanders, despite the fact that their running backs couldn't catch the football. Like, they were in the game. Justin Fields won in a monsoon yesterday. It, it, it just, you just look around this league, and it's like everyone, even the Falcons, the Falcons are trying to tank for the number one pick. And Marcus Mariota and the Falcons went toe-to-toe with the Saints, who are a much better football team. And you look right now, like, and you look at the coach that the Falcons have, who's what the Jets were considering, uh, not a good look when that offense looks a lot better than the Jets. And look, I understand that they have a freak and Kyle Pitts. I understand they have Drake London, but they have Marcus Mariota pulling the trigger there. He's a backup quarterback, basically, in the NFL. And he looked really good yesterday. It's like, it's not just the fact that the Jets lost yesterday. But it's the optics of everything around week one. Teams we thought that were below the Jets or less talented were competing more and looked more well-run and more efficient yesterday, which is terrifying. And even the Giants, like the Giants are in year one with Dable and with Daniel Jones, who, let's be frank, I don't think is going to be their quarterback next year. And yet they go to Tennessee on the road. And this might be the most damning thing of all, the Giants and Jets comparison. One of the reasons I always killed Adam Gase on this channel was that the, he never would adapt, never change, and every second half looked worse. Like the Jets could never freaking adjust. That was my biggest gripe with Adam Gase. And I watched yesterday, and it was the same story as last year. Close game, second half. Jets have an opportunity. They let the other team pull away in the third quarter, and the game is over before you even get to the fourth quarter. The Giants could have easily, and in the past, would have fallen apart, but they didn't. They fought against Tennessee. And look, I understand Tennessee's limited because Derrick Henry got nicked up yesterday, and I don't think Ryan Tannehill is a great quarterback. Lamar Jackson is a much better quarterback than Ryan Tannehill every day of the week. I, I, If you want to argue that, fine. But the Giants still went on the road with a limited quarterback like Joe Flacco and won a game. I think Daniel Jones is a backup quarterback in the NFL. Jetson... Jets were playing with a backup quarterback at home. Could not move the football. Giants were on the road with a backup quarterback, in my opinion. They ended up winning the game. And yes, I understand the Titans missed the field goal at the end. But still, the fact that the Giants were in that position, that's the position the Jets should have been in yesterday. If Justin Tucker was running onto the field with four seconds to kick a game-winning field goal against the Jets' defense in week one, Every Jet fan would have been, you know what? They fought hard. It was a good game. The Ravens are a better team, but we stuck with them, and we were we had a competitive game. We were in our seats when the clock expired. Let me ask you this, Jet fans, especially if you were at the game yesterday, your season ticket holder in this chat, please 
please let me know. Let me know what you have to think because I want to hear your opinion. But when was the last time you were at a Jet home game and you stayed through the final whistle, the end of the fourth quarter? When was the last time you did that? Because now that's a rarity. That's not the norm. And look, I understand New York is different. People want to get out to avoid sitting in traffic for three hours and aggravation. Like, I get New York is different in that regard, too. But when was the last time you were in your seats at the end of the fourth quarter jet game? Heck, you spend more time at the tailgate at a Jets game than you probably do in the actual game. Uh, Stone Crow, great name, by the way. Why have we been through all these different coaches and it seems to have the same failing playbook for 15 years? Uh, Momo Abba, I meant Dable. Sal falls in love with all his players. That must stop. Like, I don't hate falling in love with players and being a player's coach. I don't think that's the biggest issue. Um, a lot of guys, a lot of chats. Let me try to get to all these. So uh, we just need to clean some things up from Mr. Magics. Um Momba Adam with a great uh, comment. Uh, no choice but to start uh, Mike White. Um, really scary, backed up, Strevler. I'm not crazy. Strevler has an upbeat tempo. Look, that's the other thing. Like, I don't love Mike White. I know Jet fans really do love Mike White. But I'm also of the opinion, too, that the Jets – I don't think Mike White's a great quarterback – but he's more mobile. Like with the offensive line still getting their chemistry together, they need to work to get, they need to get a more mobile quarterback out there. They really do. Um, Spin Max Dave. Oh, great pitcher, by the way. Can you give your overall grades for the offense, defense, special teams, and coaching? Let me start with the positive defense. I would give, I'd give an A minus two. I like, Look, the Jets' defense yesterday held Lamar Jackson to 17 yards rushing. And let's be honest, most of those points, like, again, I know one of the was off of a bad defensive penalty from Joyner. Like, I basically said everyone in the defense, like, outside of Joyner was great yesterday. I mean, look, I thought the Jets' defense was fast. They are physical. They created pressure. And really, the reason they gave up points in the third quarter was the offense wasn't doing anything. And they... You basically won possession. Braden Man had a twenty-yard punt, and it led to it led to basically the Ravens taking over at the Jets' forty-five. So I, I don't think the defense was the issue. Offense, I give a D minus. The only reason it's not F is look. I think Michael Carter, Brees Hall, and Garrett Wilson flashed a bit yesterday. I know Paul had the fumble, but I do think the Jets showed you some potential. Look, their run game, they got to stick with the run game. I think that's got to be their identity. I think that's what their offensive line's better at. Uh, special teams, can I give anything lower than an F? Can I give a Z? Can I give a Y? Can I give an X? Like, I, if you listen last night, I said both Zerline and Man should be cut last night. I wouldn't have let them out of the locker room. I said, get your stuff, get out. Uh, and coaching, I, I give coaching... Uh, this is tough. Don't kill me, especially in the comments after this. I'm giving coaching. I'm giving coaching 
a D plus. And the reason it's a D plus is I have to give Jeff Ulbrich and that defensive staff a lot of credit. I thought they had an unbelievable game plan. I think that if I was to tell you that they were going to hold the Ravens offense to 24 points before kickoff, you would have signed up for that in a heartbeat. I thought the Jets defense, to be honest with you, I thought the Jets had the better defense on the field yesterday. I really believe that. But you know, the reason it's so low, offense was a disaster. I don't get why they didn't run the ball more. LaFleur was innovative last year, creative with jet sweeps, with moving people around, with trick plays. Didn't see any of that yesterday. They needed a spark, didn't get any spark for them. And I just thought the way Salah handled himself in the press conference afterward was was a bad look. Because Jet fans do not want to hear about moral victories right now. So... Um, Flacco to change his number to 59 yeah, for the pass attempts. Is it me? Uh, Case Rivera is it me? Was the Jets running the same place they ran last year? For Flacco has to go for now until Zach comes back. Let's play Mike White. Hopefully, we could get back Chris. Like Strevler's on the practice squad, so they can just elevate him. Why is White there if he can't start over a struggling second string quarterback? Please explain. And also, you're going. Younger, go with Panero oh, and get rid of Manlo. Panero's already signed. I mean, he kicked a, he could have kicked a game-winning field goal yesterday with the Panthers. He's been accurate. Um, White, you saw in the preseason, I don't think White played particularly well. And look, he, we have to remember, White had a, had a game for the ages. But we've seen this in the NFL where someone just has a, like, I think Jonas Gray, that running back for the Patriots, who was on a practice squad, had like that, what, 180-yard, three-touchdown running game against the Colts. One day. Um, personally, if you were to ask me, I would play Strevler over White because Strevler to me is more dynamic, what he can bring in the run game. I think it would be a more fun offense because you can do a lot of more read read option, quarterback runs, design quarterback runs. Um, and especially if you're doing a backup quarterback. White is limited. I think he's a decent passer, but he's got better mobility, but not great mobility. He doesn't have a big arm to push it down the field. Strevler has a better, better of a bigger arm, but at least he can make plays with his legs. And you don't have to ask him to hopefully do too much. If you could run the football design runs and look, I think it'd be fun if you could put him in the backfield with Hall or Carter, do like a couple of options, like maybe even for one week, do kind of like what you see in college football, like the option offenses with them a little bit like you see with the ravens you see it with some other teams like i think strevel i'd rather have than white personally um yeah i did not grit uh josh rivera i gotta i i gotta i gotta i gotta disagree with this like i think that this is the biggest misconception among jet fans which is look rex ryan is an unbelievable guy entertaining guy and he was a very good head coach. But can we just remember that the team he took over was Eric Mangini's team? And look, for people that kill Mangini, Mangini, one of the best things he's done it was building that team like with Tannenbaum, but you could tell Mangini had a major hand in the draft. That was probably the best Jets drafting span. No, it's definitely been in the last 20 years, but... One other thing I've always wondered too is like I'm I'm shocked Mangini didn't go into into personnel or he's ever been considered for a GM. I think he's really good with personnel, but Rex Ryan inherited a roster that, if we remember, 
collapse. Like the Jets at one point under Mangini before Brett Favre got hurt were looking they were going to be the number one or two C in the AFC. Favre gets hurt, refuses to come out of the game, torpedoes the entire season. And then the Jets get in the playoffs the next year as a wild card, going to magic run. The Jets the next year. I mean, we also have to remember too, like the Jets for as good as they were, like under Ryan, it wasn't like they were the number one or two seed. They always had to go on the road in the second round. So, and this is the other thing about Rex that I always say, people say, well, Rex was a great coach. Rex was a great coach. Rex was a great coach. If Rex was really that great of a coach, number one, when he got the Buffalo job, he wouldn't have lost the Buffalo job. He's lost two head coaching jobs in the NFL. It's not just the Jets. It was also with the Bills. And number two, there are teams that are desperate for great head coaches. No one's called. No one's calling Rex Ryan. And I love Rex. Rex is an unbelievable analyst, great on TV, and I will always appreciate what he did for the Jets over those couple of years. But the biggest problem with Rex was, yeah, he was a great motivator, but he couldn't develop a quarterback. He wasn't an innovative offensive mind, which you need more and more in the NFL today. And the other biggest thing, too, is when the bravado wore off, like he was a great, like he was like a shot in the espresso to a team. Like the first year or two, guys love him. Everything's going great. But the second team's not doing as well, it tended to not end too well. Um, so I saw this from Case Solo too. Give Rex Ryan another chance. Like, look, the Jets, if you're going to get a new head coach, they need an offensive coach. They need someone that can develop a quarterback because you see in the NFL, you need a quarterback more than ever. And I'd rather take a shot on a guy that can help develop my quarterback and make sure my quarterback is a star or can develop him to a star it, unless I'm getting a bona fide proven head coach, I want to take someone that I know can develop a court because it's so much about the offense and the quarterback now. And I like the Sala hiring, but that was my reservation at the time, which is, look, I, I really like Sala a lot, but it's a defensive coordinator. And you need to develop a quarterback in a division with Josh Allen and against great defensive minds like Sean McDermott and at the time Brian Flores. And Bill Belichick. So I've always been of the opinion, too, that you need, if you're going to go defensive coach, they got to be a great head coach, or you have to go offense. Um, Spinmax Dave, Sal will eventually lose respect of his team if they can't win. Albrecht and Sal never adjust and will not get away from playing zone defense. But the, they've, they, that's just their system. The, the system's primarily a zone based defense. We may just want to see a Rex part two. They're not bringing back. They're not bringing back. They're not bringing back uh, sexy Rex. I'm sorry, guys. I've gone. I've fallen behind in the chats. I'm trying to catch up a little bit. Uh, coaching staff looks lost. Then look around the league. Other head coaches like Arthur Smith. Like that's the thing with like Arthur Smith at the time. Like that was the two candidates it came down to. And I remember at the time I, I said I liked the Salah hiring, but I kind of I know Arthur Smith. Salah one was going to be the better PR for the Jets. Salah was going to be the guy that would stick out more. And I think people would gravitate to, and look, Salah, when he talks, he's great in the interview, but you did wonder like, is not going to be able to develop a quarterback when you're driving a quarterback. Could it be a big issue? And it, it looks like it could be. Um, 
I'm certain flag will start again, but it would be so refreshing if they go with white for the next game. The game plan wasn't to run. Well, they need to adjust the game plan to run because that's what the one thing they were doing well. Man's bag should have been packed right after the game. Completely agree. Like I said that last night. So again, guys, if you don't, didn't know this, you're new to the channel, make sure you subscribe. We'll do live reactions after every Jets game right here, right after the final whistle. I'm just funny. I almost got jumped on like five minutes early. I'm like, the game's over anyways. I might as well just jump on. Um, so I want to have the balls to bench Flacco. He's more being into their friends and their coach. We did contain Lamar. Hi, Rick. It's Rich. Uh, maybe we're watching Ricky Mori last night, Chris. Uh, I was hoping to put that segment about ownership. Uh, first of all, let me make this clear. Johnson doesn't care about the team. He's part of the problem. I especially despise him. What has Johnson ever done to improve this team, this fan base? Nothing. Well, I would. I don't think they've done a great job, but at least they try. Like you could tell, like when they went out and spent all that money in free agency for the 2015 team. Like the Jets, they're trying. It's just they're not doing it well. It's like the Knicks. I don't think care. Like James Dolan hates the fans, but I don't think he really cares what fans think about him. I do think Woody Johnson and the Johnsons, they do care what people think about them and their team. And especially they understand too, like if the team's bad, it reflects bad on them. And look, they, they want to be successful, but uh, I, I just think that it's just one of those things too. Like, when I'm just picturing Woody Johnson right now, just looking around and I think he's even more frustrating because I think he felt that this was the year the jets could jump ahead of the giants because of where they are in their build. And he's sitting there after one week going, well, the giants look like they have the right head coach. The giants look like they've already changed their culture and the giants look like a team that has a coach to rally around. And I'm sitting here in the 18th game of my head coach and he's still talking about moral victories. Well, the Giants head coach didn't even need a moral victory. Why? Because he ended up getting the victory. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Get rid of some. Uh, will you stop with the Rex Ryan? It will never happen. Agree. It's He's not coming back. Uh, we have Hugh Banks still alive. Uh, no. Uh, why was Garrett Wilson on the field more? That's the other thing too. Like if you're Woody Johnson, that's part of the reason I think like they're going to have a conversation with both Douglas and Sal in the room. It's like, I have questions like how this roster was finally put together. We have some major questions. Like we, like Bryce Huff wasn't activated yesterday. We have Denzel Mims who we're not trading, but we're going to keep as an inactive member of our roster on the bench and not even suit up. Like he was an inactive as well yesterday. And that's the other thing too. Like we keep talking like Salah and especially Salah, I think has done himself a disservice with Flacco because all in camp Flacco looks great. Flacco looks amazing. Flacco's a starting quarterback in this league. And every Jet fan's like, we've seen him for two years we watching the same game like here's a fun question guys do you know what joe flacco's record as a quarterback is in his last 22 starts how many wins do you think he has it's not 10 i'll tell you that out of 22 he is four and 18 as a starter 
Yikes. That, uh, quote Larry David, that's pretty, pretty bad. Pretty, pretty bad. Um, and that's, and Momo brought up a great point with Garrett Wilson. It's like, we, if we spent a 10th round pick on him, not 10th round, 10th overall, why is he not in the game? We could draft an offensive lineman. Like, that would have helped. Um, what was wrong with Rex? Has he got too friendly with the guys or better yet with the players? Was his downfall be a coach? You have to be hard, no, not to. I think you got to find a good balance in between. I don't think you can be too hard on players, but I don't think you can be too soft on players either. You got to find that good middle ground. People say if a few plays broke differently, it would have been a different game. Point is, it didn't. It never seems to go for the Jets. That's not luck. It's systematic. Johnsons don't deserve to be successful, not after the years of misery that they put us through. Well, you want them to be successful because then the team will be successful because they're not selling. I, I hate to tell you this. Like, I don't think Steve Cohen's coming in on a magic carpet to save them. So and it's different than the NFL because you have a salary cap. In baseball, you can spend as much money as you want. Here in fa- football, it's really about the people you put in the organization, how you build the organization. Rich, I like the show, but the way this works is to read the comments slowly while posting it on the screen. It makes us feel that we have someone's ear and our comments are answered. Keep up the good work. Yeah, really appreciate that, Momo. And like, look, like this is the thing I want to express on this channel. You know, Jet fans, I want them to come to this channel is like I am a Jets fan. I'm not a beat writer. I don't work for the team. I'm a huge Jet fan, I'm a football fan. If you didn't know this about the channel, like I do a lot of mock drafts. Like I love the NFL draft process, not just for the Jets, but in general. Like I do mock drafts, I do scouting. Like I, I am that nerd that I watch Saturday college football with my computer and I'm taking draft notes. Like I'm scouting. Like that's how I that's just how I I, I operate. So like for you guys, like I just love like the interaction we go with Jet fans. And like this is the thing too. Like this is what annoys me too is the national media, the way they perceive Jet fans, and just the way that they treat Jet fans. I'm like, Jet fans are long suffering. Like I even saw some beat writers yesterday saying this is so great for the Giants because they have suffered for so long that they get it right. And I'm like. The Giants won a Super Bowl in the last 10 years. It hasn't been that bad. The Jets haven't been to the playoffs in 12 years. The Giants have won a freaking Super Bowl. It's like, uh, and people are like, uh, and the Jets have had to be in a division for 20 years with the greatest quarterback of all time, Tom Brady. They've had to, they had the chance to have Bill Belichick who left them at the altar. Like everything with the Jets history has just been, just been a gut punch. And this fan base still comes back. And for people saying, oh, Jet fans shouldn't have left the building in the fourth quarter yesterday. Jet fans are smart. Like They are sending a message. That's how you send a message to owners. You know what doesn't work? If you're sitting there happily and just like smiling, like it's like that dog being with a fire. Like this is fine while the team's getting blown out. You know what gets the attention of owners when you leave the game, when you boo the team? When you tell, when you leave that stadium, when they see you filing out in the fourth quarter, you know what you're telling them? We have spent an insane amount of money on this team that we love. And we are more than happy 
to leave and not get what we fully paid for because we are so displeased with the product that is on the field right now. Uh, with all that being said, watch Sal start Plat Flacco next week to get some proof of point. Look, I, I just get this feeling that they're going to start Flacco because they're going to use, well, he's the veteran. He's got the experience. And look, let's be honest. Like, who doesn't matter who the Jets are starting. Like, the best case for Mike White is you're hoping he can manage the game and make it, like, not screw up, basically. Like, let's be honest. Like, th- you're just waiting for Zach to come back. No draft talking to Halloween, at least. Uh, yeah, well, well, I I pray so too, Steve. And I love talking to the draft. I don't love talking to the draft before I get my Halloween costume. Uh, let's see. I would have booted and left also. Flacco missed open receivers. Oh, no, don't say it. Uh, yeah, like the, the offensive line was bad yesterday. But I, here's the thing I will say about the Jets offensive line. And I put it more on coaching than the players yesterday. And here's why. I talked about this a bit last night, but the offensive line is the most unique position set in sports because more than any other position group, it requires chemistry and requires playing together. The Jets have been unfortunate because they've lost Becton. They've been yo-yoing fan between left and right tackling. They're moving They're moving AVT to the right guard position. But the Jets also made the decision, which to me doesn't make a lot of sense in the preseason. And I know you're scared of injuries, but skill position players, it, you don't have to necessarily play them. Offensive line, you need to give them reps in the preseason, especially now with reduced practices and reduced hitting practices. They need to get as much reps as possible. And the first time this group played together was those couple series against the Giants before being thrown out there against a great Ravens team. And you saw that they were overwhelmed. Like, the guys that did the best yesterday were AVT, who I thought, despite the move, looks great. Lagan struggled, but again, brand new to the team, has never played with these guys. And the other guy that looked pretty comfortable was Max Mitchell. But Mitchell's played right tackle, and that's where they've had him this entire camp. Fans been bouncing and yo-yoing around between the left and the right tackle. So the offensive line, you saw it last year, too, like, and it's not just the Jets. You watch around the NFL, offensive line play, especially in the first two or three weeks of the season, is garbage because there's reduced practices. They don't get the practice reps they need. And you couple that with no one wants to play in the preseason because, God forbid, if someone gets hurt in the preseason. But my argument would be, well, I'd rather have the offensive line play in the preseason and risk injury than, I don't know, risk my quarterback getting killed off the blind side in week one. Um, let's see. And no fantasy talk either. I mean, I can do fantasy talk. Like I was debating, like I might do some fantasy football layer this week on the channel too. So if you want that, put that in the comments. If you want me to do uh got rich or, you know, I'm thinking about that's rich. Like that's going to be our fantasy football talk for guys. I like guys. I didn't like, although one of my players was actually going to be Elijah Moore this week because Elijah's best career game actually came with Flacco as a starting quarterback because he had the eight catches over 100 yards of touchdown against the Dolphins, but he was also targeting the most eight targets, no, 11 targets from Flacco. And the way he compared him to Steve Smith, you you knew, or you at least thought Elijah Moore was going to be the number one most targeted receiver yesterday. 
And of course he wasn't. So, <laughs> um, yeah. Do you watch a game a second time? Break it down. Cause it's very difficult to get a good grasp on the players. I mean, I do. It's painful to watch the second time. It's almost worse. Um, but I really watch my biggest thing when I watch games is I watch the quarterback, but I also watch the line play. I thought the Jets defensive line was really good yesterday. And I really like a lot of the flashes. I think Jermaine Johnson flashed, Clemens flashed. And like even some of these young players really flashed yesterday. The biggest concern I had on the offensive line was the chemistry, but I think it's just that they haven't played together. And you couple that with, an immobile quarterback and a defensive line that you know has an immobile quarterback. Because if you have a more mobile quarterback, a pass rush has to be more disciplined because you can't just freely rush and leave a giant opening and allow that quarterback to step up and scramble. But when you know the quarterback isn't going anywhere, you can be more aggressive. You can do more swimming. You can do more diving. Like you can create more separation because you know, even if I leave a giant hole, Flacco's not going to take off and scramble for 10 or 15 yards. And if he does try to scramble, he's so slow, I'll get to him in three or four steps. So I think that one of the reasons I keep arguing for – like this is my thing too. I would play Streveler, and I know on the depth chart it's white ahead of Streveler. Like if I had to pick between the two, I'd go Streveler just because I think you can be a lot more creative on offense. You can do more design quarterback runs and that athleticism will be hard to game plan against and to work against where Mike white again is a little bit more athletic than Flacco, but he's limited pushing the ball downfield. You know, he's going to be looking for the short game and defenses can cheat up. They can bring the safeties down in the box because you're not afraid of him going over the top on you. Whereas Strevel, I think it gives you a little bit more diversity. Um, Jets podcasts are the best. They deserve better than the team they root for. I mean, you know, we, we, we love our team and we're still rooting for them. Uh, we don't need another fancy channel unless it's Jet players only. But Mobo, the problem is, like, I probably tell you to bench most of the Jet players most weeks, like on the matchups right now, like, especially the first three weeks. Uh, my fantasy advice don't play the Jet players until, unless it's Michael Carter, basically until Zach gets back. Um, Think Sal would ever move on from him? Lafleur? No, I think I don't think Sal would ever do that. I think Lafleur, Lafleur. Let's be honest, he had a bad game, but I do think he showed enough last year that you can tell he's a creative mind. Uh, but he needs to be more creative. Watch um, more. No, Steve Smith. He's small and plays small. More needs to stay in the slot. Boycott Activision. The only reason I brought that, I was just quoting Flacco on that. Uh, Yes, sir. Strevler is this quarterback. He should be starting over both of the of other guys and see what happens from there. The old line was set for a mobile quarterback like Wilson Flacco. That's the other thing. And GSD actually brings up a great point um, that I don't think a lot of people were really talking about is that this offense and this quarterback, like you, you see the transition, like especially in San Francisco, like you want a more mobile quarterback because you need bootlegs, you need rollouts, get the quarterback outside the pocket. And it's it's just like you can do a lot more. And with White, this is why – I also think you can play White too because you also – I know it's not great, but you want to find out who's your backup quarterback. I mean, Flacco's here to coach Wilson. Like if you can find that that White is a good serviceable backup, I think that's a great find for this team. Like let's see what he can do 
in a game where it's more manageable. I'd like to see what he can do, or even Strebler. One of these guys, can one of these become an established backup for a team? Because let's be honest, in the NFL today, with 17 games, you're probably going to need a spot quarterback star for at least a game or two. So you need to find out if you have a good backup. Um, it's hard to keep an eye on linemen and watch the play in its entirety. The same corners. I don't know who blew the play or an assignment. Um, Jets have a talent... Jets have a talented, talented, I must admit, respect for the Ravens. Like, look, the Ravens were a better team, but I do think the talent, like the Jets did not perform to their talent yesterday. I think the Jets are a more talented team now uh, than they were last year. But here's the problem. They have a lot more talent than last year, but they didn't look better. The narrative didn't change. I think that's why Woody is going to be upset and why ownership is going to be questioning this front office and this coaching staff saying, I mean, we spent all this money in free agency. We had premium draft picks. Like, think of think of it that think about this. The Jets had four picks when they went into draft night in the top four. They ended up with four picks in the top 36. Bears did not have a first round pick till the second. They didn't have a first round pick. Didn't have a pick till the second round. Didn't take an offensive player on day two of the draft. Lost arguably their best receiver in Allen Robinson free agency. And did nothing really to address the offensive line except patchwork together. And despite all of that, and Justin Fields looked like he was going to get his head taken off yesterday. The Bears end up winning and Justin Fields elevates that team. Now, again, we'll have to see what Zach can do when he's back on this team. But you can't tell me that Woody Johnson wasn't watching those highlights of, you know, the, the slip and slide from Justin Fields and going, oh, man, Fields got the snot behind him, but he... I mean, he's out there going and Zach, you know, got hurt when no one touched him on a scramble. It's like, did we make a mistake here? And you look to like the Bears beat a good team. Like you thought the Bears were tanking. Houston went to overtime with the tech with uh, the Colts. The Falcons who are tanky against the better Saints team went toe-to-toe with a backup quarterback in Marcus Mariota. And again, the Giants, the team in their own city, in the first game with Brian Dable, had to come from behind on the road against the number one team in the AFC last year, and they ended up winning that game. And they ended up winning that game with a quarterback who I would argue is a backup quarterback talent. I think Daniel Jones will be a backup quarterback in this league. I don't think he's a starting quarterback in this league. But despite those limitations, the and despite missing the, the their number one pick in the draft, Kayvon Thibodeau, Giants won. And the Jets are sitting there barely using Garrett Wilson in the first half, barely using him. So, look, I get they're trying to ease these rookies in, and I can appreciate that to an extent. But let's be honest, if the Jets... We're going to invest in the 10th pick in Garrett Wilson. Guess what? Drake London pretty much played every snap for the Falcons yesterday. I mean, you look around the league. All these rookies were playing a bunch of snaps. So if you're not going to play him, why didn't you draft an offensive lineman there? So uh, let's see. Most concerning about all of this is that our coaching staff looked at Joe Flacco and thought he's a starting caliber quarterback. Uh, Jay, Jay Brums, I agree. Like That's the other thing, too, is... Do you think today Woody Johnson and the ownership is looking at Joe Douglas and Robert Sal with an eyebrow raise going, you kept telling us all preseason 
He was a starting caliber quarterback. He did not, he looked like he did not belong in the NFL yesterday. And also, isn't it a bit more damning where there's there are backup quarterbacks like Tyrod Taylor? I think Marcus Mariota wouldn't have come to the Jets because he had an opportunity to start, but Jacoby Brissett, like there were better backups and guys who you would knew at least had a track record in the NFL as backup quarterbacks on the free agent market this year. But the Jets were like, no, we're keeping Joe Flacco. We're keeping Joe Flacco. And look, I get believing in your guys and having favoritism on teams, but sometimes it's seeming like this year the Jets are kind of playing that game and it's coming back to bite them. I mean, they had to keep Ashton Davis on this team and Jason Pinnock is with the Giants now. They had to keep Braden Mann and already he looks like a lost cause of punter. And the Jets gave up, released a better punter who's kicking for a division rival right now. It's just not a good look. And boycott Activision. Lions scored 35 points yesterday. Now, I think the Lions have a much better offensive line than people give them credit for and have unbelievable weapons. But still, the Eagles have a good defense. And they went toe-to-toe. And I don't think... The Lions head coach is a good X's and O coach. I do think that could wear off that bravado, but there's no question that team comes out and they fight freaking every week and they go tooth and nail every freaking week. And the Jets are like, hey, we we played well. We hung with the Ravens. Yeah, but you didn't win. And Jet fans don't want the moral victories anymore. Year one. With a rookie quarterback, fine. We can take those moral victories. And you know what? We would even take moral victories now. If this was a game where it came down to the final possession, the Ravens won, or it was a one-possession game with four minutes to go in the fourth quarter, Jet fans would have signed up for that. Jet fans would still be in the building. They didn't want to be down three touchdowns in the third quarter. There's a big difference. Um, Lawrence Cager converted time was on the field more than our 10th overall pick in the first half. I can't defend it. And why is look, I Cager I didn't mind on this roster, but when I was doing the roster, I thought he would be the sixth receiver so they could kill two birds with one stone saying, Hey, we got this hybrid receiver tight end hybrid, so we can have him fill two positions. But also Jeremy Rucker, who I thought looked good in the preseason, is a better blocking tight end. He was a third round pick. He wasn't active yesterday. So we're starting a guy that can barely barely made the roster over the third round draft pick. And I like Ruckert a lot. I think Ruckert could be a good player for this team. But I'd rather see Ruckert out there than their converted tight end. Because if Ruckert's going to be inactive, then why didn't they just draft an offensive lineman in the third round or someone that was going to play? Like I like Ruckert a lot, but he needs to be on the 53. He can't be inactive on Sundays. Um... That Texans QB is doing his job. I agree. I think he's done very good. I don't think they're going to pick first Jeff Life. If it is, that'll be an absolute disaster. Uh, Jets are low with talent. Why did they suck? Coach, like, Spinax Dave, again. Like, yesterday was about the coaching. It was the little things. This team not being prepared. Not having a game plan. Not having plays to convert on third down. Not understanding personnel not and more importantly on the offense not having an identity they need to figure out their identity like i thought the jets the their identity at the end of the season was they could run the football well 
And I thought that was going to be their identity because their offensive line is a better run blocking unit than a pass blocking unit. And they drafted a running back in the second round. I thought that we were going to see this be a team that runs the ball 30, 35 times a game. They ran 16 times yesterday. And here's the, the more surprising head scratcher. They had a couple 15 yard runs and went away from the run. And Oh, Guys, you know the Ravens had the number one run defense in the NFL, and the Jets were averaging 4.9 yards per carry. Michael Carter was averaging six yards per carry. But despite that, we're going to try to throw the ball 59 times. Even when they're down, I still would have been more comfortable than running the football than passing. Uh, Ravens fans in the chat. As a Ravens fan, Joe Flacco was inconsistent in the regular season. If Joe Flacco makes the playoffs, he's a different animal, proving... At the O-line, giving him adequate protection. Well, Jets are making the playoffs. Uh, if we get the first pick, are we drafting Bryce? Oh, my God. We're still too early. If they get the number one pick, um, I actually think it's going to it's going to be very interesting with the number one pick this year because with the quarterbacks now, this is my let me go off on this. I'm not good. I am not staying here long. I'm not going down this rabbit hole long, but I will talk briefly about the draft. And man, Jesus, I'm already I'm look what you make me. You make me do, guys. I'm already talking about the draft before not even Halloween before freaking October. I mean, uh, wow. Uh, so. Look, I think the best prospect in next year's draft is Will Anderson, but the Jets get the number pick. He's obviously not going to be it. Um, I think Stroud is better than Young. And look, Young does have dog in him. I love the comebacks. I love the poise. I love the patience. But for me, Stroud is the better quarterback. I think he's got better anticipation, uh, really good at trusting the ball around, trusts his receivers really well, great catchable ball. Like, And this is the thing, too, with Stroud. Stroud's 6'3", 200 pounds, 220 pounds, and you have Bryce Young, who's 5'11", 197. The Jets just drafted a undersized quarterback. If you're going to draft the quarterback, especially in the NFL now, I almost would lean – more to the dominate physical quarterback and the physical traits because you look at the ones that are truly special right now. Josh Allen is a physical specimen. You look at Joe Burrow. I mean, Burrow's a little bit smaller, but he's a great athletic specimen. Like Young, I think, can, is going to be a very good quarterback, but I do get concerned at 5'11 and 197. And I also get concerned, too, because Alabama quarterbacks, like they just have not translated well to the NFL and I know you could say the same about Ohio State quarterbacks, but I mean, Ryan Day is an unbelievable offensive coach. Uh, I think he does a really good job with those kids. Like they come into the NFL, like the Ohio State offensive kids, and they, the offensive players for uh, Ohio State seem to make the transition to the NFL better than the Alabama ones do. Cause don't forget, Nick's more of a defensive guy. And it, outside the Alabama, the Alabama receivers again, but it's also they're getting all the like the numbered one, two, and three receivers in the country, so that does skew it. But uh, those are my thoughts on the quarterback. Okay, we're not talking about quarterbacks anymore. We're not talking about the draft. Uh, so, as a Buckeyes fan, Rutgers way better than Cage. Yeah, I, I don't get why he's out there. Uh, you're not a real Jets fan, so you hate them. Well, it's a love hate relationship. Uh, 
Straveler, yep, Straveler, I think should start next week. We'll see how this run defense really is against Nick Chubb as a beast. Uh, don't speak draft. Look, they asked me to talk about it. Like, they, okay, they didn't ask me to talk about the draft directly, but those are my quarterbacks. Like everyone's saying, talk about those are my two top quarterbacks. And look, I like Stroud better. I think Stroud's a better prospect. Like that's just me. I think Stroud's going to be the better prospect than the number one prospect. Uh, I think it's going to be a great debate, but even smaller quarterbacks, like even Kyler Murray has had durability concerns. Like the only smaller quarterback that's really worked in the NFL is Russell Wilson. I mean, Russell Wilson's just different. And Russell Wilson also is like 5'10 and like 225 pounds. He's not a normal 5'10 quarterback. So like, look, when I see Young at 5'11, 197, I'm like, and look, the NFL has been more beneficial to the younger quarterbacks in recent years, but still it's, like though that's my opinion between those two both are great prospects both might will probably go one and two in the draft but that's what i'm thinking so we're done with the draft we are done with the draft no more draft talk no more draft talk um so yeah they're gonna get a big test and look the cleveland game to me is almost a must win now because you don't want zach to have even more pressure coming back in week four i'll have to see what happens with Watt and the steelers got some big injuries but that defense also created multiple turnovers against Joe Burrow, and Joe Burrow's a really damn good quarterback. And look, the 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 Browns to me are a beatable team. They are limited at quarterback. They're also playing a backup quarterback like the Jets. And I said the best thing for the Jets Browns game happened yesterday, which was the Browns won that game. If the Browns had lost that game, I would have said that there'd probably be no shot the Jets would win because that Browns team nationally has so much pressure. And you know, all they would hear for the entire week was they made a mistake trading Baker. They moved off of Baker too soon. Baker gets his revenge. They would, and after an off season of all the distractions, all the Deshaun Watson, all the nonsense to then go out and lose that first game to Baker, I think the Browns would have been irate. They would have been embarrassed, and they would have come out and tried to make a statement against the Jets. Now you hope that they overlook the Jets a little bit, start jumping ahead on the schedule a little bit. And look, the Jets need to come out fast. And my biggest thing for the Jet team is this is on the floor. Like This offense doesn't need just to start fast. This team needs to try to get out to like a 10 nothing lead. Because the Jets' strength against the Browns will be running the football, playing time of possession, but more importantly, forcing the Browns to throw the football. Because the Browns can run the football. We saw it against the Panthers. I know they have Amari Cooper and weapons, but they are not as good passing the football. And the Jets have a lot of good pass rushers, and you've seen an improved secondary. Like, that would be the benefit is get the lead early. Like, this team, like, LaFleur needs to come out with like a trick play or try to get a big play early. Like this, the Jet team cannot sit around and keep this an even game. Like they have to go down the field and score a touchdown the first two possessions. They have to. Um, bring in whoever we have at QB. We must win. We have too much talent on this team. And look, like it's going to be a lot easier if they're one and two when Wilson comes back. If they're 0 and three, the pressure on Wilson that first game is going to be unbelievable. Uh, Joe Douglas will force us to watch five because he knows he screwed up the pooch and gave a draft just to bring, but look at the, 
Look, I, I don't I don't mind the draft pick for Flacco. At the time, they just they just needed to they need to get a veteran quarterback. And look, they traded a six-round pick for him. Like they they basically gave up nothing for Flacco. It's not like they gave up a third round pick. So I, I think that's a little bit um let's see. I'm a Jets into 86. Our fans are the worst. Stan, Shannon started 10 and 22, and I don't remember ever hearing hit calls for his job in San Francisco. Well, the thing, too, in San Francisco is Shannon also has the luxury of, of having, like, his father because you did you do know that there was a lot that went into that. And also, the way it ended with Kelly after one season in San Francisco – you knew they were going to give him as much opportunity. So there was a bit of a longer runway for him. Um, we're not beating the Browns, not at the dog pound. Browns fans are going to be roaring and hungry, just speaking facts. Midseason, we... Yeah, they're not bringing in Rex Ryan. Stop with the Rex Ryan question. Uh, Flacco will start next week, most likely, but the leash is short. Like, I, I do think... Flacco will start, but I do hope, like Xander saying, I do think the leash will be short. Um, how much worse can we get this 10 more years? It's been bad. Like, I, I'll be honest with you. Like, and I keep refreshing Twitter, keep like expecting, uh, oh, uh, you know, they uh they cut they haven't cut the special teamers yet. I'm still waiting. Um so let's see. Con McGovern, some comments today. Says he didn't hear the Mike White chance, but says there's a reason Joe Flacco was called Joe Cool because he doesn't let that impact it. Said if the O-line shores things up, there are more throws for Flacco to make. Well, even when they did hold up for Flacco, he was missing wide open receivers. So, I mean, there was a great PFF thing where three of the Jets receivers were top 25 in creating separation of Mongol receivers. So the separation wasn't that big of an issue. It was that Flacco couldn't get the ball to them. Um, let's see. Uh, consistent. Yeah, the Jets' mill has to be a lot better. Uh, they they have to be better, especially the interior offensive line. Uh, DJ Reed talking right now on SNY about you know losing his father and how emotional. Was. So that was a great moment for him, a great exception. Look, DJ Reed, that DJ Reed played one hell of a game yesterday. I mean, bright spots on defense. I thought the secondary looks a lot better. Sauce locking down Mark Andrews. I mean, he was going against arguably the most talented tight end or one of the top two tight ends and as a rookie. They're already putting on I thought Sauce played a good game. DJ Reed creating two turnovers. The Jets, of course, couldn't pick up the fumble, but I thought DJ Reed played a hell of a game. Like, I'm – there's a lot – like, that's the thing which is frustrating about this. I think this is what is more frustrating than last year is – you see that this team actually has some pieces and you see that this team has some good players now. It's not like in the two or three years ago where the best player was an older Le'Veon Bell. Like you see Garrett Wilson, okay, there's something here. Elijah Moore, okay, there's something here. Corey Davis, I know the fans, uh, the big drop, but look, there's he's still somewhat, he's still a productive receiver in the NFL. It, it's like, okay, Michael Carter, there's some bang there. Like, there's some like you. That's the front. I think what's even more frustrating for Jeff Hens and why people are more angry right now is this is a team that look that you see the flashes and it's just like we we, we just can't seem to put the pieces together. 
do you see Mitchell as a long-term starter at right tackle? This from Bruce Anderson. Uh, yes and no. So this is a good question, Bruce. Uh, I like the Max Mitchell pick. I felt Max Mitchell was going – this season was going to be to groom him as a potential starter next year. But, look, he's held up well in one game. It's one game. Uh, let's see what he can do. But it's a positive sign. And if he can become a starting core – tackle that makes the that makes life for the jets a lot easier that means maybe if they don't get uh brown back this season or brown doesn't perform what i know it's gonna be a cap hit but they can move off of him i think this team i know fant played terrible yesterday but i do think fans gonna get an extension and fant i mean look fans been moved around so much he hasn't gotten comfortable i think now that he's sell the left tackle out he'll get better and look, it, it takes time on the offensive line. And I think Mitchell could be a starter. And if that's the case, it makes this a lot easier for this team. Because right now, if you were to ask a week ago, what the biggest priority is offensive tackle. I still think offensive tackle by the time we get to this end of the season and offensive line still going to be because you always can improve the offensive line. You can never have enough offensive line. So I think, but if he does become a good starter, it does limit the damage. Um, how can you make that comment about Justin Fields? The game is played in a monsoon. If anything, that didn't answer question about Fields. It raised more questions about Lance. Chris, I think that's a good question. But the, the things I liked about Fields yesterday are this. Number one, if you watch that game, he got obliterated in the snot being out of him. Like he, I don't know how he's going to make it through the season because the Bears cannot protect him. I mean, there were plays where he'd get the snap and it was like three 49ers were right in his lap. And look, in the torrential rain, let a downpour against a very good defense. And look, he doesn't have much to work with. So I think Fields had an unbelievable game yesterday. And I just think optically, like, that's what Woody must be thinking. Like, we did, we passed on this kid. We were supposed to have more weapons than the Bears. We're supposed to be have better personnel, and they're going against a team that was in the NFC Championship game and a defense that was in the NFC Championship game in terrible weather. Like, people were complaining about the Jets not being able to move the ball. It, it was raining, but it wasn't monsooning like it was in Chicago. And yet, he was making plays. And in some ways, that hurts Fields because his best attribute is his legs. And it's hard to run when it's, you know, an inch of water on the turf. And he was still making plays. Uh, Shooter McGavin, what y'all chant about last two years? We've rebuilt the right way. Do y'all not get last regime and Adam Gase mess up? Look, I, I get the patience argument, Shooter. And I do think that Salah and Douglas, like I, I'm not saying I don't like them and I don't, th I still think they can be successful. But the problem is I don't think, I think the grace period is over for them. I think that's the biggest point of this episode is because, which is amazing considering how bad Gase was. But when I think Salah, especially more than Douglas, I think Salah has lost a lot of credibility in the eyes of the Jet fans right now for the last couple of weeks for the comments because the way he has handled the Makai, and I don't really think the Makai injury was his fault, but the way he talked about it, but when you sit there and you hear him say, the handling of the Zach Wilson situation, then coming out and saying, oh, it was gamesmanship. Well, Jet fans don't want to hear that. And 
you know, you keep trying to talk positive and how this team looks in practice and how good this team looks and how talented this team looks and how this team looks ready to rock and roll and how good this team's going to be. And you come out and you lay a dud like that in the opener. And then afterwards, you you don't see like fire. You don't see him pissed off. And you see him be like, oh, you know, we hung. We They were talking about moral victories. Moral victories are for year one with a rookie quarterback. They're not for year two. And this is the other reason why I keep bringing up the Giants. Because I think the roles are supposed to be reversed. The Jets are supposed to look like what the Giants did yesterday, where it came down to a field goal in the fourth quarter. The, if anything, the Giants are supposed to look like the Jets, struggling offensively, learning a brand new, learning a new system with a quarterback that's not very good against a very good team. But yet the Giants in one game, you know what Dable is. Fiery guy, going to call out his guys on the sideline, called out Daniel Jones, ripped him on the sideline, went for it, was aggressive. Like, you get, like, tell me if I'm wrong in the comments. I feel like I learned more in one game about Brian Dable as the head coach of the New York Giants than I have learned in 18 games with Robert Sala. Am I wrong? Tell me in the comments. Like, I feel like I know exactly what he wants, his personality, how he coaches on the field. And like we see it all the time. You see it on the sidelines. You see it on the t-shirts. All gas, no break. All gas, no break. All gas, no break. Have we seen the Jets been aggressive? Like if the Jets were in that situation, would they have gone for two? I, I don't know. I, I like I, I don't get that with Salah. And look, in three weeks of the Giants struggle. We'll probably talk a little bit more, be a little bit more critical of Dable, but look, you could just tell in one game, it just feels like the Giants are a different culture. Like they were competitive in a game that they should not have been competitive in. Like that was a game where if you were to ask people outside of New York, that should have been a game where the Titans just rolled over and won by 10 points. But the Giants didn't do that. And the Giants came out down at half, limited a quarterback, and won that football game. Um, JD plans to start to equal wins. All I've seen is a lot of injuries and a lot of losses. Uh, last two drafts have been great. Uh, free agency has improved. JD and Sauer are the reason Jets have an opportunity to not be a laughing stock in this league. Look, I and I've been, if you, I guess you're new to the channel, so you're like, I'm probably one of the biggest Joe Douglas supporters and Robert Salas supporters. The opinion I'm going with today is not that I have completely given up on that. I'm just saying what I think Jet fans are feeling and also what I think this ownership is looking, how this ownership is evaluating them, how this ownership is looking at this current situation. Because this ownership group, like they're looking around the league. Owners look at two things, what happens in their stadium and what happens around the league. And yesterday was probably the worst thing that could have happened for the Johnsons when they look and they sit in their offices today going, internally, we had our fans booing our team, our team not looking competitive in the third quarter, and our fan base leaving for the parking lot before the fourth quarter. Meanwhile, the team we share a building with who was supposed to be a road dog and be 
and not be a competitive game went on the road and won with a limited quarterback against one of the best teams in the AFC last year. And oh, by the way, teams that look like they are tanking this season, teams that look like they should, that they might win three or four games, like Chicago, like Houston, like the Falcons, even though some of those teams lost, it was a one possession game, competitive game. They didn't look outmatched. They didn't look overwhelmed. And here's the other thing, guys, which I think is another indictment on this coaching staff, especially the offense. This isn't, you know, week two or three where they had like a week to prepare. They've known they're playing the Ravens for months. I mean, this this is the first game. You had months to prepare for this. Months to prepare. And the Jets did not look prepared yesterday. Even bad teams yesterday looked pretty good. One of the biggest reasons, they had all that time to prepare. Preparation in the NFL is key to success. And let let me put it this way. I have more faith in Joe Douglas than I do in Robert Sal. Because I think Joe Douglas has at least proven he's got an eye for talent. He's done a very good job in the draft. And he's at least shown he can find good personnel. The questions I have right now are why are they hanging on a certain personnel that shouldn't be there, a la Braden Mann and Ashton Davis. But Robert Sala keeps talking all gas, no breaks. Like he keeps like, and the problem is when you keep spinning everything positive, that everything's fine. Everything's great. Everything will be okay. We feel Flacco's going to be a starting caliber quarterback. Zach Wilson will be back earlier than we expect. When it goes wrong, you worry, how are guys going to take that? How are guys going to respect that? And look, I think a lot of people love Robert Sala in that locker room, respect him. But Owners grow impatient. And Woody Johnson, I can tell you, and this is the point of this video, Woody Johnson wants to win. He is sick and tired of the Jets, like the fan base, being embarrassed. Because I guarantee you when Woody drove or his driver, wherever he was going today, when he turns on the TV in New York, when he turns on the radio in New York, he's going to hear two things. And I started the show with this. And for those who missed the beginning, this is what they were talking about. The first thing is, oh boy, the Giants look great. The Giants look like they have found their head coach. They have an identity. There's excitement. There's exuberance. And they got over that September losing streak of losing openers. Meanwhile, what's the other topic in New York? Same old Jets. This was supposed to be different this year, but it looks like the same exact movie as last year. Like this, it just sounds like the movie from last year. Defense plays well. Offense can't get it going. Offense kind of figures it out, but defense has gotten so tired they can't keep it together. Game gets out of hand. Fans leave. Fans boo. Fans are home probably even before the end of the game. So... Woody's going to hear that all day today. They're going to hear about, and Jeff fans too, they're going to hear about all day and for the whole week. And Robert Sala, after the game, trying to wax point saying they competed in the game. Jeff fans don't want to compete. If You say that line if they lose on a last-second field goal or Lamar runs a touchdown in with 50 seconds remaining in the game to take the lead. Then that's acceptable. It's not acceptable 
when it's a 24 to three lead. And let's be honest, the Jets got a garbage time touchdown. Like nine points is generous. Nine points is generous. So, uh, Giants results have nothing to do with the Jets. Nothing. Again, I know it doesn't have a direct result, but the like owners in this town and fans in this town compare each other to the other. Like that is inevitable. So if you're a Jet fan, like, like I keep saying this, the Giants game should have been the Jets game yesterday where they were competing and had an opportunity to win at the end of the fourth quarter. Not the opposite. The Jets, the Jets look like the team that had a new regime. That was their first game out, and it was bad. Uh, you sound like you care about the Giants. Woody doesn't, I'm sure. Well, Woody cares if the Giants are making more money. Woody cares if the Giants have a better pedigree. Woody cares if the Giants are the talk of the town and the Jets are the butt of jokes in the town. That's what he cares about. Do you think, do you think Woody Johnson? enjoys hearing on SNL the Jets being a punchline, on national radio the Jets being a punchline. Do you think he enjoys the Jets being a punchline? Hell no. Do you think he enjoys hearing that over and over again? Do you think the Jets love hearing about the Giants winning two Super Bowls in the last 20 years? Do you think that the Jets like to be thrown into dysfunctional ownership and be compared to the Knicks? Absolutely not. They do not. But how can you say the owners are getting impatient, that you're not in the building, we're not in their offices? Stop trying to be a media guy and bring attention to yourself. Okay, Nicholas. Uh, Look, owners, it's clear. I don't have to be in those offices. I can understand what they probably are thinking today. I mean, it's well documented that Woody does listen. It's been well documented that Woody also goes for the big headline moves for the Jets because he wants the Jets to be on the back page. He wants the Jets to be in the back page in the spotlight. Um, besides Nick Mangold, the DeBrickerstoff Ferguson, well, Lyman's better than Nick Mikhail Beckton. Oh, that's easy. Uh, how about Elijah Vera Tucker? Uh, Giants game is a good comparison. They won by feeding Barkley. Like we should have been feeding Brees Hall. Exactly. Like that's my point. Um, so like, exactly. Like, like that's the thing. Like, like people it's New York too. Like people saying, Oh, the Jets shouldn't compare themselves to the Giants. Every fan base compares themselves to New York. Like if you're, are you a New York? Can you even call yourself a New York fan? Do you know how many times Met fans compare themselves to the Yankees and vice versa? Do you know how many times Knicks and Net fans compare themselves and vice versa? Hockey is a little bit different because you got three teams, but they do compare themselves. I mean, it's always the same with the Jets and the Giants. And it's also because you're in direct competition with people. Do you think Jet fans like going into work today? And having those Giant fans say, ha, how about them Giants? You know, the big win yesterday. Hey, your Jets, man, they, they still can't get right. At least our guy, we got right. And we got right the first time. We got the first win. Like, you know, you, like, you've heard about it all day. Like, that's the thing. Like, like people are, like, saying, like, AVT is not part of the Makai. What were you? Uh, well, here's the thing. Elijah Vera Tucker is actually on the field shooter. Uh, Makai's not on the field. So it's kind of hard to say he's better than if, if he's not on the field. So uh, 
Uh, oh, yeah. And uh, Adam Horvitz, Damian Wood, and Alan Fanica. Yeah, no, Alan Fanica is only a Hall of Famer. Uh, you know, Damian Woody. Woody's team is worth 20 more times than what he paid for them. Making money is printing money. He wants to win, doesn't give what the Giants do get real. Jerry, I disagree with that because don't forget, too, if your team wins, you can charge more money for tickets. You get better media deals. Like, winning's also good for business. Like, a winning team gets more eyeballs, gets more money, gets more everything. Like, you can't tell me that the Jets hate that their fan base, like, sells tickets at half price, like, or that their stadiums have empty. So... Yeah, thanks, Stephen T. Agree with that. Uh, and Ralph and Ralph Mouth brings up a good point with the Douglas praises. Look, I like Joe Douglas, but he has to start proving it too because this is year four. I mean, think about how many like the NFL. Like, this will be our final note today because again, guys, I appreciate you being here. Make sure to subscribe if you're new to the channel for joining us. After, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Give us a follow on Rich Sports Talk on Twitter to get our live reactions. But this is the thing I also look at too, which is. How many teams turn it around in a year or two? Like the NFL is designed for teams to turn around. That's why you have so much turnover in the playoffs. You're, when you're a last place team, you play a softer schedule than the first place team. Like the league is designed for you to get better faster. And the Jets still cannot take advantage of that. And you, you look around the league, like most of the playoff droughts are like five or four years. It's not 12 like the Jets. Like teams can turn it around very quickly. The Cardinals turned it around very quickly. A lot of teams, like if you get the right coach and especially if you get the right quarterback, you can turn things around really quickly in the NFL. What turned the 49ers around was bringing in Jimmy Garoppolo. The, the, the Buccaneers were God awful. They bring in Tom Brady. All of a sudden they win the Super Bowl. I, I mean, you, this league is designed even young teams and teams that are bad. Like if you get the right coach and the right quarterback, you can turn around. I mean, the bills were a disaster for years and then they get Josh Allen. They turn it around. Like you look, the NFL is designed to be turned around. It shouldn't take four years to turn it around. Now I've given Douglas a lot of leeway too, because the jets were also because of their drafts and everything. We're in a worse position, but it shouldn't take four years for this team to be competing. Um, let's see. Kayvon chose the Giants, not the, 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 he didn't choose the Giants. The Giants drafted him. Uh, yeah, the Jets don't have an easy schedule per se, but percentage wise, the back half of their schedule is a lot easier. But like when you look at the outside, like, they're playing. I'm trying to think who's their who's their non-conference schedule. They're playing the Jaguars, who were last place team. Like the the non-division opponents are basically fourth place teams. Whereas if you're the Bills, your non-conference games, your non and the out of conference games that you play are against first place teams. Like that's how it works. Like percentage wise, and it's not the perfect science, but it is designed to be better. Um, hi, Rich. Big fan of this. Is a Mike LaFleur problem. His favorite team has different players instead of putting the best players. Like that, that's another problem, too. Like, Nate, like it's one thing when they were injured last year playing certain players, but like Garrett Wilson's got to play. Like, you got to get the ball to Garrett Wilson. You got to get the ball to Elijah Moore. Like, they're playmakers. You got to get the ball to Brees Hall uh, and the tight ends. Like, the Jets didn't target the tight ends 
until late in the game in garbage time. And I was screaming this last night. If they weren't, you either, you spent all this money on the tight ends. Play the tight ends or don't. Like, if you weren't going to play these tight ends or target them, then don't spend all this money in a draft pick on a tight end. You know, um, I'm not knocking. I, I agree, Chris. It is too early on Justin Fields, but I'm just saying this from an owner's perspective. Like, you look that the Jets, it was really down to two players probably. I don't know this specifically, but I have the feeling that it came down to probably Justin Fields or Zach Wilson. I don't think the Jets were taking Mac Jones. Trey Lance, I think, was way too raw for the Jets. But I don't think it's a good look. Woody Johnson looks around saying, the quarterback we drafted wasn't touched and is missing the first three games of the season. Meanwhile, Justin Fields has been getting obliterated. Just took the most punishment at any quarterback yesterday and was able to win a really tough game. Like, that's all I'm saying. Um, Finns look bare. Well, the Patriots look god-awful. Uh, we have to get our playmakers to rock. Tight ends not getting love. Garrett Wilson to be like, yeah, Garrett Wilson needs to get the ball. Absolutely does. But again, guys, if you're joining us after, please give us a comment. Please give us a subscribe. Also follow the channel because in the if you check out the community page, we will have polls all the time to answer your questions. Um, Robert's out the pony now. My opinion, we did not get beat. We lost. Those are two totally different things. Um. Yeah, uh, it's, yeah. Uh, we did not get beat. We lost. Uh, no, you got beat. Salah, Salah needs, Salah needs to learn how to talk to the media, man. Like that. That's just. That's really the comment, man. You did get beat. Like a loss is like I said. Like they kick a last second fear goal to beat you. They beat you. Like, you couldn't move the football yesterday, and you couldn't score until it was garbage time. Salah says, losing is exhausting for everyone. No one wants to lose. I understand fan base wants immediate results in the instant coffee age. Well, unfortunately, Robert, this is also year two. The, the Jet fans weren't expecting this team to be a playoff team, even this year, but they weren't expecting to be embarrassed in the first game like that. Uh, Sal said Zach Wilson will get on the practice field in a routes on air capacity, won't be practicing with the team yet, so he's probably not back till still at least week four. Um, so, Garrett Wilson, Sal on Garrett Wilson's lack of involvement in the first half said the Jets were committed to playing a lot of 13 personnel and utilizing tight ends. Hindsight's 2020, it did not work. Well, why is then, okay, that's fine, but then explain to me why Uzama and Conklin aren't playing a lot and, you know, we're playing the Lawrence Cager who just made the roster a lot. Jesus, like you got to be kidding me. Nope, Bizen just, he really said that. He really did. I'm going off of what the, they're saying, the beat writers are saying on Twitter. Um, here you go, guys. You'll love this one. Robert Salon, if he would bench Joe Flacco for Mike White, 
Everything is always under discussion, under review, says they're not done in their film review for week one, says he's got the utmost faith in Joe. And as of now, Joe is our starting quarterback. So basically, yeah, we will we will consider it and look at it, but Joe's our starting quarterback. Uh Montauk way like yeah no if, if anything Gary V like can we get the team to Gary V because we know Gary V loves the Jets um no like look I'd rather have Salah say nothing than some of the stuff he's saying right now um Robert Salah said he's keeping receipts on people mocking the Jets. Um, okay, that's great. You keep the receipts. Um, how about we get the wins? Ken C, you can't keep changing coaches and GMs. Ken C, that is an interesting point, and this will be the final discussion point today, which is again, I know I've done this a lot today. I know people don't want me to really keep comparing the Jets and the Giants, but I will. Owners in this league look for what's working. It's a copycat league. And owners look around the league and see what is working and try to copy it. So let's look at the coaching situation. Like the quarterback situation, I think, has been now completely skewed because of guys like Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert, who have come in and been instant stars and are getting and are looking like MVP candidates by their second season. So now it's like, not only do you have to prove you're a starring quarterback, but you got to show that you're a star quarterback by the end of year two. So I think that those unrealistic expectations are now quarterbacks because of those guys. But now, let's put it this way. The Giants, comparing the two, the Giants have actually been worse in terms of firing head coaches than the Jets. The Jets gave Bulls four years. Gase got two years. But the Giants went through a run where they fired four coaches in a year. They basically got two seasons each. And I've been saying that the Giants couldn't get along with that. Like they would be limited with their candidate, that it would hurt them trying to find a head coach this last year. But if Dable continues to work and it looks like this, then the Jets can look at it and say, wait a minute, the why, why be patient and wait when, yeah, the Giants it took a couple of tries, but if we find the right head coach, it doesn't matter how many times we fired guys to get to the right head coach. So I think that that's another reason why you, you look at ownerships around the league. Like they try to copy that. So especially if the Giants continue to do really well this year and the Jets struggle, I think that that could be a rationale for the Johnson saying, well, Giants just kept firing until they got the right guy. You know, doesn't matter. So, um, seems like a big game change of a game plan to throw to your tight ends. We had a plan. Uh, that's the other thing. Did the Jets really have that great of a plan? It doesn't seem like it. Um, I have plenty of receipts. Where do I send them to Salah? Uh, I think uh, one Jets drive, P.O. Box, like number one, uh, Robert Sala. I think you could say, I think it said to one Jets drive, uh, Jay. Uh, I don't know if they'll, you know, get back to you, but uh, I think you can send the receipts there. Uh, I'm the benefit of the doubt for one more week. Uh, 
We have a first-time head co- He's not a first-time head coach. This is his second season now. Uh, like, that's the reason why is I just – like, I just – I am concerned with some of the stuff there he's saying. Like, that they're – you know, the, the, we're keeping the receipts of people that mock us. We're doing this. We're doing that. I mean, Sal has won four games. No one wants to lose, and it – um. Yeah, Sal on losing. It's exhausting. Nobody wants to lose, and it's on us as coaches to see how quickly we can accelerate this, we, how we can get these guys to get where they need to be. We're always trying to accelerate and win immediately. We want to win. We want to win now. Well, that's good, at least. But, like again, in my opinion, we did not get beat. We lost. No, you got beat. You got beat yesterday. Like, just say you don't – like, you're just adding fuel to the fire for Jet fans being frustrated with you and this team. Just say you lost. Don't say, oh, we didn't, we didn't get, we didn't get, we just lost. We didn't get beat. No, you, you get beat. You know when you get beat? When your fan base is booing you and when your fan base is leaving the stadium before the end of the third quarter. That's when you get beat. So um Giants fire coaches due to that stiff Eli. It was, Eli's been out for years, though. That, that's not a good example. But he's still new. Yeah, he's new. But the thing I get concerned with is it's the same mistakes. Like if Sal, like I keep saying, if the Jets look like, like if it looked like any other game that we saw in week one, Jets lose a one possession game. Lamar makes a play in the fourth quarter. Justin Tucker kicks a winner in the game fourth quarter. The Jets had a shot with five minutes left to go in the game. Five minutes left to go in the game. They had a shot then we wouldn't be talking about this. But the game was over two and a half quarters in. There was no other game in the NFL, even the Cowboys game on Sunday night football. That game was still a game until the fourth quarter and Dak broke his freaking hand. There was not a single game in the NFL this week, which was decided by the end of the third quarter, except the Jets game. So that's the problem, guys. Like, that's the problem is... If this team looked better, this offense looked more prepared, like they had months to get ready for this game. They did not look prepared. They kept like saying, well, we're trying this, we're trying that, we're trying this, we're trying that. Well, you had six months to prepare. You didn't know which personnel was going to use. So, yeah, I understand that we have to really wait until Zach gets back. That's going to be the biggest adjustment. But still, you want to at least be competitive. The Jets were not competitive and look if i get sal is trying to be positive and i agree that you need to be positive but you also can't be waxing poetic that things are better than they are like you can be positive about this team but don't go overboard don't go saying oh we did we, we're keeping the receipts of everyone mocking the jets we're you know, we just lost. We didn't get beat. Oh, Joe Flacco is a starting caliber. Like, say Flacco's been great for our organization. He's been great for our young quarterbacks. We see him as a leader. That's it. You didn't have to say, well, Joe Flacco. We think is one as a one of the could be a, one of the thirty-two starting quarterbacks in the league. It's just that little bit extra that Salah and I get. Like, he's trying to win the press conferences, but you want to be. Talk like this. You do it when you have wins under your belt. You do it when you have progression. You do it when there's momentum. You don't do it 
after the first week of getting embarrassed. And let's not be honest, Jet fans, the expectations, this was probably the highest they've been, even without Zach Wilson, because we were excited because of all the draft picks, all the free agency. Like, this was supposed to be the day where we took a step. And that's, again, why I compare it to the Giant game. Because that's the type of game you wanted to see from this Jet team. Like the Jets game, the Giants were down at the half, but they made adjustments. They came back. They fought their tails off. They kept in the game. They kept it a game. They went for it. They went and tried to win the game. It came down to the wire, and yet, in the grand scheme of things, they probably should have lost because they probably should have... Tennessee should have probably won that game because of the chip shot field goal. I think that gets overlooked. Like Giants should have technically lost that game, but they ended up with the win. But guess what? They're in a position where it came down to a game-winning field goal for the Titans. That's where the Jets should have been yesterday, which is they should have been going toe-to-toe with the Ravens, especially with the way that defense played. When that defense came out and held Lamar Jackson and that offense to 24 points, this should have been a game where it was 24-16 to or 24-17, to Jets having the ball with four minutes to go and having an opportunity, having a chance, having fans cheer this team trying to give this team energy in the fourth quarter. And instead, it's the same movie as last year. Like, that's why I think Woody and this Woody will be probably frustrated and why I think this fan base is so frustrated because we've been sold for months. It's going to get better. It's going to change. The narrative is going to change. But unfortunately, it looks like the same movie we have seen not only last year, but the last couple of years the last couple of years that's why jet fans are upset that's why jet fans are frustrated that's why people are reacting this way i don't think it's an overreaction because like look i'm just going to say this like i just have a feeling that joe douglas and more more so robert sala to this fan base Like, let's put it this way. A fan base wants to believe in their head coach. But I do think the way Salah has addressed the fan base, has addressed the media the last month, and has addressed the media today after this first loss, I don't think has done him any favors with this fan base. I really don't. Because this fan base doesn't want to hear waxing poetically. They don't want to hear about Well, we competed with the Ravens. Competing with the Ravens is this game was down to the wire in the fourth quarter. Not over in the second and a half quarter, basically. That's what Jet fans want. They just want to compete. And unfortunately for Salah, I know he's trying to sound positive, but the way it comes off to this fan base is it's just excuses. And it's just trying to pass the buck. Like this fan base, I think this fan base wants to believe in Salah more than anything. They want Salah to be the head coach for the next year. Like they want to believe in this head coach. But when you make comments today after being the one team that, let's be honest, outside of the Cowboys and the Patriots, probably even more so than those teams, the Jets were the most embarrassed team. On Sunday, they were the most embarrassed team. And to say 
after that, we were keeping the receipts of people mocking the Jets. You know when you say that? It's what you say that when you're late in the season, you've won a couple games, and in a press conference, you make the comment, hey, you know what we did as a team? We kept those receipts of everyone that mocked us, and look where we are now. We use that as motivation. Look where we are now. You don't do it after your team gets embarrassed and your fans who have been starving for competitive football for months. I mean, the Jets were out of it last year by October. So it's been 11 months. Think about that. 11 months for a meaningful Jets football game. And that was how we were welcomed to the season. And I guarantee you, ownership sees that. They see you booing this team, calling for Mike White, leaving the stands. Like That is what gets the attentions of ownerships. Owners don't check Twitter, but you know what's the two things they check on? They check on what the media says about them, and they check on what their fans do in reaction. You made it loud and clear, Jet fans. You were pissed about yesterday when you left that stadium early and you were vocal. And all today... The Jets and their fans and that organization are going to hear two separate things in the media today. One's going to be about how great the Giants looked and how they've turned the corner and how their culture has changed. And then you'll hear the other side, which is the Jet fan. It will be frustration. It will be this team looks lost. What was the game plan? What what, what direction does this team have? That will be the question. Uh, lots of comments, man. Like again, guys, you guys are freaking awesome. It, it, it's just game plan for rain versus Dick. Yeah, that the game plan too. Fifty nine passes for Joe Flacco. Patrick Mahomes threw five touchdowns. He didn't throw the ball fifty nine times. Justin Herbert didn't throw the ball fifty nine times. No one, no one, ever, ever should be throwing the ball 59 times in a game. And yet Joe Flacco was. New York Jets, Florida, this is a huge overreaction to one week. But is it really one week, though? Because this continues to look for... Like, that's my point, though. A Hall of Fame quarterback isn't throwing the ball 59 times. So why is Joe Flacco? And yeah, I understand that this is overreaction week. And I get people will say that this is an overreaction, but I have to look at this as a whole where this is year two for Robert Sal. This is year four for Joe Douglas. Like this is when the moral victories stop and the Jets start winning football games. At the very least, I think this fan base, people think like this fan base, like like this fan base, I think, realized that this was going to be a 7-8 win team probably at best. Like they understand that this is not a playoff team this year. I don't think most Jet fans, I think most Jet fans came to the fact that, look, they just want to have a shot to maybe sneak in the postseason if things broke right in December. Like they wanted to be playing meaningful games after Thanksgiving. Heck, meaningful games after Halloween, pretty much. So... When you see the Jets come out and play like that, like, and let me ask you this, like, I know people are going to say, oh, this is an overreaction, this is an overreaction. Like, do you feel confident in this team going against Cleveland next week? If Joe Flacco or even Mike White, do you feel confident that they can sneak win? Do you have confidence that this team could be one and two? Like, I, they have to be one and two when Zach gets back. But I don't have the confidence going 
into Cleveland. I think they have a better shot now and that they that's probably their best shot for a win. But do you really think Joe Flacco, even against Jacoby Brissett, is going to go into Cleveland and win a ball game? I don't. And look, this coaching staff, like they have to get creative. And this is the concerning thing to me is I know that they're trying to be positive and I do appreciate that. And I actually think that you need to be positive in adversity. But the attitude that I feel most Jet fans are receiving, the way that we are interpreting this as a fan base is it almost feels like they're too confident that they're, oh, don't worry. We got all under control. We'll figure out. But the problem is this isn't an organization that's coming off a playoff berth or a team that won like eight or nine games last year. We're like, okay, they won games. They they have that under their belt. The Jets don't have those wins under their belt. They need to prove that they can win games. And also with this coaching staff, a lot of that was on coaching yesterday. The offense didn't look prepared. This offense didn't make adjustments. This offense couldn't figure out how to move the football until garbage time. Then you had special team blunders. You had fumbles. Like it was little mistakes yesterday. And that comes down to coaching. Like if you are a team like the Jets, where you don't have a superstar quarterback or you are not an elite team, you can't be making little mistakes. Like you have to be buttoned up on special teams, on office. Like you might not have you, you might not be great, but you have to be buttoned up and prepared. And the Jets weren't either of those in the first game. That, to me, was concerning. That, to me, was concerning. I love boycott activation. I'm confident to win next week if Joe Flacco's not the quarterback. Um, that's why I stopped watching Jet Canes over a decade ago. Uh, I have no confidence in this coaching staff. At one point, the defense will stop trying. Like, you saw it last year. Like, again, like, F, great point. Uh... And look, like this all comes down to like how Salah and Joe Douglas uh, looked at personnel. Like you can't, honestly, for Jet fans, it's like you had Jacoby Brissett, you had some decent backup quarterbacks that were free agents this year, and you went all in on Joe Flacco to keep him for another year. Like you could have had Tyrod Taylor, Mitch Trubisky was on the market. Like there were guys out on this market that have proven themselves to at least be serviceable quarterbacks or at least good backups but no they had to go with joe flacco despite you know zach missing four games last year so and all we kept hearing was how good joe look how good joe look how good joe look and look here's the truth joe flacco's four and 18 in his last 22 starts as a quarterback like it's not a good thing when it feels like the the fans who watch the game not work in the game but watch the game feel like they know the answer to the questions before the coaching staff and the organization do like every jet fan felt Joe Flacco was done last year or heck even the year before, but yet he's the number one backup. Like I said, I was more common with Mike white as the backup quarterback going into this year than Joe Flacco. I thought Mike white proved to me more in his limited role last year as a backup than Joe Flacco did. And yes, Joe Flacco is good for young Zach Wilson. I get the mentorship, but bring him back as a quarterback coach. Bring him back as an advisor. Make him the highest paid quarterback assistant. I don't care. 
it shouldn't be the backup quarterback to this team. Um, Flacco should have been pulled yesterday. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I if I was running the Jets, it'd be Mike White and Shreveler. But Flacco, you know, Sal made the comments today that the way I interpreted Sal's comment is that the leash will be shorter on Flacco, but Flacco is going to be the one starting in Cleveland. Uh, that's what I took. So, and that's the thing. Like, this is my thing for Robert Sala. This will be the last thing before I go. I, when you are a head coach, the biggest thing I want to see from coaches and players and front office people is learning from mistakes. One thing I will say about Joe Douglas in a positive manner is I do think he learned a lot from the mistakes of his first draft, which was working more closely with the coaching staff, finding players that fit the scheme better, and really doing a more collaborative progress with the scouting and with the coaching staff and working all together to make sure they get the right players for the team. And I do think it's paid off. Like you have seen the growth in his drafts from 2021, 2022 compared to the 2020 draft. I've at least seen growth from Douglas and I've seen progression and seen him learn from the past and seen him be more aggressive in free agency. You know what I haven't seen from Robert Sala is growth. Look, you can make mistakes talking to the media in year one. It's New York. I get it's difficult with the media here. I understand it's tough to sit up there and talk. And I understand every single word that comes out of your mouth is going to be scrutinized beyond the point of, you know, it's going to be over scrutinized. But to see Sala continue to not learn from his mistakes. Like he should have learned from a Kai Becton last year when he gave that definitive four to eight week timeline. And he did not come back the entire season. Jet fans put it to the side. I think it's okay. Styles first year. Becton's had injury issues. It's okay. But then you have the Becton injury this summer. And he's out for the season. Then you have Zach. Zach's progressing. Oh wait, Zach can't come back to week four. Well, was there a setback, Robert? No, no setback. We just were playing on him and we were playing games and shit. Every Jet fan's like, wait wait a minute. So you've been, you know, lying? Then you keep trying to sell how good that Joe Flacco looks in practice and how Flacco's a starting quarterback. But every team in the league has pretty much said no to Joe Flacco as a starting quarterback for five years now. And no one was dying to have him for a backup quarterback. I mean, the Jets were seemingly the only team that was interested in having him as a backup quarterback. And you didn't improve that. Or when, you know, Wilson went down, his team wasn't aggressive to, I don't know, maybe I think Garoppolo would have been a stretch, but maybe try to see if there was a backup quarterback on the market that they could maybe have picked up like a Nick Foles or something, even for three or four games. It, it just, and then today, you know, we're keeping the receipts of everyone that's mocked the Jets. We didn't, we just, we didn't, we didn't get beat. We just lost. You have to learn that everything you say and New York Jets, Florida, maybe that is not coming from Sal. Well, if it isn't, Sal is the one it's coming out of his mouth. So if PR is telling him advice, then the Jets need to clean up the PR, but something has to change because Jet fans don't want moral victories. It's about wins. And a more, you know what a moral victory is? It's what the Texans did 
it's playing against a better Indianapolis team and going toe-to-toe with a team that's better than you. The Falcons going toe-to-toe with the Saints in a year where they are trying to tank, and it's clear want to get one of the top picks for a quarterback. They're playing a backup quarterback in Marcus Mariota, and yet going against the defense that has given Tom Brady and the great Bucks fits, they were competitive and played a competitive game and had a chance to win that ball game. The Jets, I will say this again, every single game from week one was a competitive game in the fourth quarter, except one. And you know which one it is. It was the Jet game. That game was over midway through the third quarter. Midway through the third quarter. Mariota looked good. Like the Lions are not a talented team, but they went toe to toe with a much better team than the Philadelphia Eagles. They did not back down. And then you hear Flacco in the post game. Well, you know, guys aren't really up for this game. So they're not up for the opener, the home opener. And also, Joe. You're the leader on that field. You're the quarterback. You're the one that's supposed to inspire confidence. And watching that team, did that team on offense, like they say the right things to the players. Oh, Joe Cool. Joe's composed. Joe's a great leader. You know what? You know what's the funny thing when they talk about Joe? I mean, the only one said that said positive about his play was Will Garrett Wilson, who said he threw a good ball, like a good spiral. And I mean, that got overblown too, but. It's funny when we talk, when the players talk about Joe, oh, he's cool. Like, you know, if we had protected him, he would have been able to make throws. Like, it, it, everyone's like trying to take the blame off of Joe. And I think Joe's a great guy and a great person. But whenever they talk about Joe Napozzi, it's about his leadership and how he handles pressure and adversity. You know what it's not about? It's not about his throwing or his ability or how he's playing on the field. Um, so, and also, like, I saw this comment. They seem like they want to give no Zach no competition. Like, Zach still was going to be the starter. Like, you could have brought in Tyrod Taylor or someone else. I don't think it would have been a competition. But you just felt like this team needed to upgrade the backup position. So, I just look at this Jet team. I get the frustration. I get the anger. And, look, guys, this – it's going to be a season like they need to turn around and turn around quickly because this season could get really ugly, really fast. I mean, we're not even talking about what happens if, with Zach returns because Zach also needs to hit. And look, this coaching staff can't use the excuse. Well, we didn't have Zach, so we couldn't be competitive. I saw teams with weaker quarterbacks yesterday compete with teams with better quarterbacks davis mills and i know matt ryan's older but he's not matt ryan and he went toe-to-toe with him i'm seeing all these games yesterday where the nfl teams were competitive in the fourth quarter is that like let me ask, is that so much to ask for to have a competitive game in the fourth quarter like we were saying that all last year man we want games in the fourth quarter like it's the same thing as last year you need to learn from your mistakes and you need to see progression. And I do like Robert Sound. I do think Robert Salah still has a chance to be a very good head coach and still be a good leader. 
but he has to learn. And here's the big thing. Jet fans are watching closely. They, they need to see progression. Not just now from the players, not just from this quarterback, but they need to see progression from this coaching staff. Because I do think the honeymoon is over. Last year, you got you, you get a pass. And I know, t- I'm trust me, I'm one of those people that think coaching staff need three years. But the way this has started off so negatively and how it just seems like this coaching staff from their comments, it's kind of like, mm, it's okay, we'll figure it out. They better figure out quickly. Because while this coaching staff has not been here long, Jet fans have been struggling for 12 years now. And it just feels like the Jet fans just wants this team to be closer to the playoffs. You just want to feel like this is going forward. And after Sunday, it felt like at best, the Jets were stuck in the same place as last year. And worse, that they were going back here from last year. Thank you guys so much for joining us. If you're new to the channel, make sure you bash that subscribe button. Of course, we'll have more Jets content throughout the week, and we will also have live reaction after every single Jets game, including previews for the week. So we'll have a Browns preview later this week. Make sure to give us a follow on Twitter, at Rich Sports Talk. Thank you, everyone, for the comments today. If you're joining us after the show, make sure you put your comments in the, in the channel. I'll make sure to answer those questions in the next video. Again, guys, you were awesome. Love the feedback. Love the questions. You guys were awesome as always. Jet fans always bring it. They always bring great questions. And again, over two hours. So we give you a lot of jet content. I mean, where else are you going to get two hours of jet content? So again, thank you as always. Love you guys. You guys are freaking fantastic. You guys are the best. Can't wait for you. And if you know any jet fans that want a jet community, let them know about Rich Sports Talk. We would love to get them here. We'd love to talk to them. We'd love to get more Jets fans here. And look, I keep saying for Jet fans, don't invest in therapy. Just watch our show. We're free. So we're a lot cheaper for Jets therapy. And look, especially after Sunday, I think a lot of us need some therapy. So we're cheaper than therapy. So make sure you come and join us here. But until next time, thank you so much for joining us. I'm Nolan Rich, and this is Rich Sports.